Hello listener, Matt here. Support Ben, read his ramblings, or find further notes on this show at securitized.com, spelled S-E-C-U-R-I-T-Y-Z-E-D.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. And this week... This is Jim Rockford. At the tone, leave your name and message. I'll get back to you. I call up with some good vibes and some positive energies and I talk to a robot? Forget you, man. It's the, the Rockford Files intro with the answering machine. <laughs> okay. I yeah, have Rock- no clue. I yeah. have no clue. Okay, so because Rafti has no idea and uh, any of our listeners under the age of 45 may not appreciate that that's the Rockford Files, we're going to be talking about something a little bit more uh, in tune with our modern sensibilities. Uh, not that the Rockford Files wasn't good, but it doesn't age really well and, and doesn't meet the context of the time. Um, Who was the actor in that, Jim? James Garner. James Garner, that's right, James yes. Gar- and, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you, if you try to watch it today, it's a different show because they've re-edited it such that they keep cutting back to previous um, images and they do weird pans on purpose in the remastering to remove as much of possible of visuals of him smoking cigarettes. Really? Okay. Yes. Yes. So it's a very different show and it looks like it was edited by an eight-year-old and not a smart eight-year-old. But um, uh, anyway, uh, instead of the Rockford Files, which would make a heck of an interesting uh, media review because he does a lot of social engineering and a lot of security stuff. Um, We're going to be talking about the Twitter files because, oh my goodness, uh, I don't know if y'all have been following this. Uh, Rafti, is that even a thing in Austria? Wait, what? Of course, Twitter. Of course. Wait, (laughs) what should not be a a thing? No, no. Is the Twitter files is talking about the Twitter files? Uh, yes, uh, yes, of course, yeah. of course. Okay. I mean, it's it's data of Europeans being like potentially leaked there as well, isn't it? Okay. Everybody is well, is uh, like got the message, change your phone numbers. I mean, this is a little bit different now, but with everything Twitter currently, everybody here is like changing their behavior a bit. Okay, catch, catch me up on this because I'm completely okay. lost. I have no All idea. All right. What's going on here. So, Matt, uh, this kind of dovetails with a few things we talked about um, over the past few months. Um, uh, Elon Musk purchased Twitter. Twitter is an online uh, social media platform that is um, rabidly beloved by the user uh, community and largely unknown or ignored by the rest of us. As Dave Chappelle famously said, Twitter is not a real place. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't have a Twitter. I don't know what you all don't, goes you, on. You're not a twit. Okay. So, yeah. okay. So he bought it and he, um, uh, 
initially began by uh, very vocally and very stridently uh, saying that he was going to be a uh, staunch supporter of free speech in the First Amendment and that he would largely allow any speech as long as that speech was not illegal in and of itself, as long as that speech was not against the law. Okay. Um, and then on top of that, in the ensuing weeks, uh, he took several major steps towards that end, including uh, firing a, uh, I think, a majority of Twitter employoes. Um, yes. uh, do you remember how many it was, Rafti? 60%, 70%? Somewhere in that range, yeah. yeah. I think it was it was a couple thousand first in the first week, and there was this big scare back then that they were laid off like in the days before they were getting um, the next payout for the shares they were having or something. But it hmm. was after that, so they got that money and stuff. But apparently, it was still against labor law, especially because Twitter has employees all around the world, and labor laws are not all like everywhere like they're in the states. So. Those layoffs were their own little thing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Twitter kept running um, just fine, proving that all those people were dead weight. And, <laughs> and then no, to, and to a certain point, no, to a certain point, um, Ben is right. No, there oh, were yeah. like doomsayers who said like, oh, it will break down in the first like week or something. Oh, they were somebody... completely irrelevant. They, yeah, they were. <laughs> I, I would like, not say that. <laughs> oh, they were. They were like culture managers and crap like that. And worse. And that's where I'm getting to. Okay. After that <laughs> took place, after that took place, he started releasing, publishing a bunch of internal documents of communication between Twitter employees who called themselves, I kid you, I'm not making this up, Matt. This is not a joke. They called themselves tweeps. Um <laughs> Okay. He started releasing those internal documents as well as communications between tweeps and external parties. What these documents called the Twitter files have started to reveal is incredibly monstrous and um, revealing. Um, and and that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, the first few files i think there's eight seven or eight now rafti do you know what they're up to i don't know okay there's been, right. they've been they've been rolling them out in batches yeah okay and... so, so so these files are text communications between employees and people on the outside right okay so it's just dialogue and, like and internal and... communications okay. as well okay. okay okay revealing what twitter was doing from senior management perspective largely Okay, and this is being released by Elon? By Elon, yes, by the company. Okay, I'm trying to figure out why, but okay. Transparency. <laughs> okay. What he's, what, what he's trying to do is make clear to the audience and the general public at large, as well as American citizens and, and secondarily to, I guess, lesser countries like Europeans and such like that. <laughs> um, what he's trying to do is he's trying to expose why what he is doing is what he's doing, why his dedication to free speech is the way it is, and what exactly was rotten at the core of the previous incarnation of the company. And um, it, it, the approach he's taken has been uh, interesting in and of itself and also led to more revelations. He selected... Um, 
three or four particular journalists and uh what he did because <laughs> i think he likes poking the bear and he does his own trolling um of the of the public uh as well he picked journalists who were formally known as rabid uh banner standard bearers uh for the left for progressive uh publications including you know some uh people i kind of respect like uh glenn greenwald and matt taby um and people i never really liked like barry weiss who i always found a strident shrieking harpy um but these people had been very much journalists of the progressive group they ran into principled arguments with their own publications and have since gone independent and this this on un, this un, unrolled over the past five years or so this has been occurring where formerly progressive writers finally got to a point where they had to part ways with their publication and then went independent greenwald famously was one of the co-founders of the intercept which is uh one of the publications that revealed uh, a lot of the zero days and Stuxnet uh, controversy, as well as um, some of the WikiLeaks uh, material. But even he parted way. So Elon picked these people to give them the data because they had credibility in both camps, and therefore it would be harder to discredit them as being um, the messengers. And he gave them the raw data to publish and do with as they will, and then to report on it, to also digest it and make it plain to the public. And they've been doing so, and they've been doing so. Um, okay. Now, the really, the first element of that, which was bizarre, and which is why, you know, even it had, it gave me pause. One of the first things in the, I think the second batch that Barry Weiss noticed was that some of the material even as it was being delivered in raw batches was still being redacted to a certain extent where certain messages would refer to other messages that did not appear in the batch and miss weiss contacted her uh person at uh twitter and said you know can we get these other things and that person said, well, let me check with the person doing the redacting. And she asked, well, who's the person doing the redacting? And when they named the person who did the redacting, Weiss was very surprised and shocked. Because the person who was doing the redacting, the employee of Twitter who took it upon themselves to filter this content before it was being released for transparency purposes, a former FBI agent who was also in charge of orchestrating the Russian meddling hoax of the 2016 election, including fabricating evidence against Trump. This is now an employee of Twitter who himself was doing these things for the, for the general counsel's office. Um, okay. That was unbeknownst to Elon who had ordered that this material be revealed. Okay. And, and then in Elon's internal investigation, 
he went and found out that not only was this person, the former FBI agent, doing that thing, but the general counsel of the company had been doing similar things without informing the previous CEOs of what she was doing and constantly making policy herself and uh, making some pretty big strategic moves without informing either the board or senior management. Um, okay. So he was subsequently just, fired for cause too. Okay. So just to be clear, so this person or the, or this office that was doing this redacting was, was a carryover from the previous uh, management of Twitter? Correct. They had not okay. yet been fired in the first bloodletting. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe to, to, for everybody who's not a, a, a twit here, or I don't know how, how Twitter users call themselves, but as far as I can tell, like Twitter was always widely regarded as a bad run company, badly run company, very inefficient. So when Ben was joking, like half the people were able to I let, not let go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And they were all like useless. And I, I would not, I would be very careful with such broad statements. But in that regard, I'm like, okay, Twitter was regarded from the outset as very inefficient as well. So, and they have not made a lot of money, even though they were very big. And, and I think the the reason why so many people know about Twitter is because the news covers it a lot, and like news people are on Twitter, and stuff like that. So this is the reason why everybody knows about Twitter. But uh, in comparison to Facebook. Um, where like at least around here, almost no Facebook posts are being like shown on TV or something. Um, Facebook makes like tons of money, even with their stock falling as far as they have fallen. Like they make they make money. They are not in any sort of like um, <laughs> dire situations or anything like Twitter is and has been for the longest time. You know, and so um, from that perspective, it, it does not surprise me, even though I hear it now for the first time, that there have been some maybe some sub sections of Twitter like run on their own and um, who are like who have not been in, like in, controlled by the, the proper like owner structure or like. Yeah, um, yeah, the hierarchy is garbage. And, and it, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because we had recently talked about um, uh, FTX and yeah. and how there was no corporate governance. It's becoming uh, revealed that Twitter, for its size and its impact in the the internet universe, internet sphere, it it has similar uh, governance lacking. It it is it is uh, uh, um, almost utterly mismanaged, or was almost utterly mismanaged, uh, and that's being uh, revealed as as we go through the files. And of course, uh, yeah, like it, and and the way they... I understand it, over its lifespan, it's been exactly profitable for two years, and it and it's not the most recent two years. Yeah, and of course, like in regards to Twitter, what they're sort of like, um, what the valuable thing they should um, protect is is user data, and of course, like with FTX, like we talked in the last episode, um, it was money of people. So, like with the FTX thing, I still think this is bigger and this is worse. Like when you when you keep or should keep um, like watch of money of like others, which you don't like own. Um, you should, uh, like have a higher standard than if you just like are a social media company. Um, even though, as I said, user data is in Twitter and I don't know how much they are tracking and stuff. So there is a lot of value there as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's, it's difficult to compare. 
It's a, now, it's a different See, I, I disagree. I don't think what Twitter needs to protect is user data. Users are purposely making their statements and activities public by using Twitter. That is the point of Twitter. So I, I don't think that's the value that Twitter needs to protect. I think Twitter needs to protect its appearance as being a uh, social marketplace, a marketplace of ideas. And this is a few of the other things that started to be revealed in the earlier file releases. Uh, the previous CEO, uh, Jack Dorsey, had testified before Congress that Twitter was committed to free speech and allowing all voices to be heard. Unbeknownst to him, possibly, potentially, he may or may not have known this, there were large practices, I don't know if you've heard this term, called shadow banning and similar activity, okay, which had been denied largely and roundly by many social media platforms, where what they would do is not only reduce the opportunity for your own conversation to be heard among other users, but you were not notified of this and your you would be basically talking to a blank wall. And um, uh, they picked and chose who would be promoted and who would be stifled uh, purposefully and pointedly. Go ahead, Rafti, you wanted to add to yeah, that? Yeah, I, I just wanted to add that Chuck Dorsey has, is the founder, um, but he was not the last CEO. Like he, he was not the been, previous CEO, but yeah, he had he, been the CEO for a number of years. Yes, correct. Twice. Well, yeah. correct. He, he went and he came back. And then the last one was Parag uh, Graval. And um, he has been CEO since 2021 till like this year, sir, uh, like a year-ish. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so Twitter had posited itself as being a free and open marketplace of ideas. And in fact, it was not. It was kind of the furthest thing from it. The more recent Twitter files that have revealed even more information and now are no longer redacted by a partisan political operative who uh, used to be a government agent, have revealed that the government was directly in partnership with Twitter and taking strategic steps in shaping the national and global conversation. And this is both de facto and de jure. Um, in a subtle form of this, uh, Twitter had made a dedicated effort to hire as many ex-FBI and CIA employees as possible to the point where there were so many of them that they created their own Slack channel within the company and would welcome each other and coordinate conversations across departments. <laughs> and you say, we're a social media company. What in the world do we need a bunch of intelligence operatives uh, doing for, for us? Well, there's a bit more to it. The more concentrated and uh, direct influence that the government had, the FBI was paying Twitter, had paid Twitter $3 million in taxpayer money, to take the FBI's requests to individually stifle or kick people off the platform, including the president of the United States. Okay. 
And Twitter not only acceded to these requests, but actively engaged and relished those requests. They were acting as an agent of the government to change conversation, including stifling other professional journalists who were participating on Twitter, even when the information that they had had been proven true and accurate. More than that, they were also taking money from the Pentagon. And the Pentagon was paying Twitter to not stifle or suspend accounts that the Pentagon had created using false names and identities to appear to be Twitter users who were actual human beings so that the Pentagon could introduce conversations into public discussion that the Pentagon wanted voiced. Basically, part of their PSYOPs program. Now, this all sounds like a conspiracy. This, this sounds like some wackadoodle tinfoil hat wearing yokel in the backwaters, maybe even Kentucky. But, oh. <laughs> but in fact, Elon has been providing receipts and none of the government agencies have been denying this. And it goes past just politics. The thing that struck me the most was the political aspect and the literary aspect. They have dozens of agents at the FBI dedicated to reviewing tweets. I, I Because I guess bank robbing and kidnapping isn't important anymore. They have FBI agents, graduates of Quantico, reading tweets, and then contacting Twitter to say these tweets are politically problematic. Many of those tweets that they picked out were literal sarcasm jokes, uh, uh, satire written by joke accounts. And the FBI was asking Twitter to censor those. Those things rub me the wrong way because I like satire and I like humor and I, I think that's a big part of discussion. That's bad enough. What they also participated in was silencing any scientific results or discussion that countered whatever it was the government wanted to promote as COVID uh, information. And to me, that's stepping past a line now where it's, you know, just really dirty political infighting. That goes into kind of crimes against humanity when they wanted to reduce the ability of the conversation to get more scientific input. And I'm not talking about just what has largely become labeled as misinformation, where somebody says, if you wear a red sock on your head, then you can, you know, be immune to fire. It, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that there were actual credentialed medical researchers and professionals who were kicked off the platform at the request of the government. That's kind of terrifying. We don't know what impact that has had. We don't know how many lives were lost because of this. And, um, I find this extremely troubling. Is this all new to you, Matt? Is this something you had not heard? Um, <clears throat> yes, this is all new to me. And, and, and that kind of also gives me the, the attitude of, are that many people really even on Twitter? Are that many people really getting their news from Twitter? Is Twitter it's really not, as it, big as it, as, I as think it's what, it has to be? 
it's what Rafti said. It's not so important as terms of the user base of Twitter, um, because I think Facebook is still larger. I think Facebook has 2 billion users. I'm not sure how many Twitter has. It's, it's who uses Twitter. And by and large, the vast majority of American and international professional journalists use Twitter. And in fact, uh, mainstream media has become largely Twitter-based in terms of its reporting. The way they find stories, the way they find sources, the way they contact sources is through Twitter. Uh, so in terms of its influence, that that seems to have an undue uh, disproportionate effect. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, I see what you're saying. Um, as someone who doesn't use Twitter and doesn't really care, Though I'm still just sitting here going, okay, I see other people use it. I see that, you know, like I said, journalists and news stories appear to use it quite a bit. Um, does it really affect me? And 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 that's probably very, very small-minded of me and very myopic to say, well, it doesn't really bother me any. So why do why do I care? Um, and Joey's just hopped on, by the way. Hey, uh, hi, Joey. Thanks Welcome for back, us. Joey. <laughs> oh, thank you, guys. Thank you. This I was Kroger a... the day before the day before Christmas. <laughs> Busy. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know yeah. i mean joey do you do you use twitter at all i have a twitter handle but i don't use twitter i it was one of those yeah. things where when twitter was popular back when facebook started you know i created i created the account but i don't use twitter i don't follow i, I just watch the news you know and you see what people tweet out and and during the political um uh you know back in, in all the political chaos and and the the controversy you know i think ben ben makes a good point in everything that he talked about to think that the government is batting a thousand at everything that they tell us to be true is you know i i think you might be a little naive to think that so controversial yes i'm not surprised all of this is news to me as well ben well i i'm in matt's camp i knew nothing about everything but i'm not surprised at any of it None of well, it. And and I think there will be more things that open up. I was very keen to hear Matt's thoughts, because whenever I bring anything like this up when I'm with Matt, uh, as we work throughout the week, Matt will quickly find a way to say no. And here's why. Or yes. And here's why. So <laughs> I'm really intrigued to see where he's going to where he's going with this. Well, you know, my, my my bigger overarching thought now digesting this a little bit is. Twitter's a private company. Who who cares if it's being censored? Who cares if it's being monitored? Who cares if they have backdoor deals and, and partnerships with any government agency or any other company or anything like that? I don't pay anything. No one pays anything other than advertisers, I guess. I guess that's how they make their money. But no one, it, it's, it's, a, it's a free service. You can use it or not. It's like anything else. It's like the, uh, the, the lamppost down on Main Street that someone tacks a, a flyer up to. Okay, if you don't want to read it, don't read it. Don't don't follow what it says. Don't take the little tab off the bot the bottom for the, the guitar lessons or whatever. So, if, if Twitter's a private company, they're not a government entity. Except they are when they're acting at the behest of the government. And and the but reason no 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 no, no, that, no I disagree with that completely. I I, the reason I say that is because that's what the courts have come to. And I'll give you the example from an IT and infosec perspective. There was a courtroom in a small town that had cameras in it, and the cameras went to the sheriff's department. They were ostensibly to provide security as a uh, um, 
uh, a force projection ability. If you saw a courtroom that was having trouble, you could vector police presence to that courtroom and, and d- diffuse the situation. And the judge noticed one of the cameras moving during deliberations, during the actual court session. And the camera pointed down at the jury box. And the judge ordered that the sheriff's department produce the video of what was happening with that camera at that time. And it turns out that that camera was reading the notes on the jurors' notepads as the lawyers were making their arguments. Okay. That particular trial was a lawsuit against the sheriff's department for abusive use of force. When the judge (laughs) called the sheriff in to discuss this, the sheriff made a point that the contractor who ran the IT system, including the cameras for the sheriff's office was running tests that day of those cameras. And that, that film, that footage, not film, but that, that cinematic footage was simply the contractor performing a test as they regularly do of all the IT systems. And if it happened to capture some jurors notes, oh, well then that's ancillary to the contractor, which was a private company acting on behalf of the sheriff's department. That was ancillary to the activity. The judge said, no, the minute the contractor works on your behalf, they become an agent of the government. A contractor does not get to avoid the Geneva, the Geneva Convention, does not get to avoid being accused of war crimes, does not get to avoid uh, not falling in line with governmental restrictions, because once you take the king's shilling, you are now acting as the king. That's the differentiator. Mm, okay. Well, Okay. But you're taking one very specific instance and and uh, the the judge is ruling it, but you're expanding that to say that because Twitter is working with government agencies that they they are therefore de facto a, an agent of, in this particular instance, the u s. government? i I honestly don't care who takes money from anybody. and and I you know, I'm all for private markets doing what they do. But when they specifically take money from government espionage entities and use that to stifle voices of Americans, you have crossed a line. And and that one court case was just an example of the overall doctrine of agent of the government. It's not exclusive to that court decision. That court decision has been in effect for a long time. When I was a contractor for the DOD, we were not allowed to exceed whatever the DOD was restricted in doing. We had to follow all of the DOD policies as well. Joey, go ahead and ask that question. <laughs> so the real question that everyone wants to know, was the election rigged? Now, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't want to talk <laughs> wait, about... Wait, for the listeners, Matt just leaned back and just shook his head like... I, I don't want to talk about it. counting votes. I don't want to <laughs> talk about mailing. I, all of that is separate and distinct from the Twitter files. But what the Twitter files revealed was the FBI did directly act to influence public opinion during the election. Um, A few months ago, prior to the election, we talked about the the Hunter Biden laptop. And I don't know if you remember that conversation. But 
the the FBI had received the Hunter Biden laptop a year prior to the New York Post releasing the information about the Hunter Biden laptop. The FBI had a year to perform forensic investigation on that laptop. The FBI has some pretty good forensic capability. The FBI knew that the laptop and the data on it were accurate and complete and true. When the prior prior to the New York Post releasing releasing on Twitter the information about the laptop, the FBI contacted Twitter and told them to expect some revelation in October meant to uh, discredit one of the candidates, specifically Biden. They were prepping, they were laying the groundwork for the revelation to come out. They even went to 50 former intelligence officers and got them to sign a letter saying that this information on this laptop looks like what would occur on a Russian misinformation psyops campaign, even though they knew it to be true and accurate. Then when the New York Post did release it in October prior to the election, the first thing Twitter did, one of the executives there contacted the FBI, told them about it. Within three hours, the FBI sent them 10 files. Those files, those attachments have not been released yet. I don't know if they've been found, uh, but they were not released in the Twitter files. Within that three hours, the New York Post, the editor of the New York Post, and several writers of the New York Post were suspended from Twitter under the fabricated uh, justification that they had violated some of the service. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember this situation, and and at, at the time, and I still feel like to this day, any of these social media outlets, they they all have terms of service. They that they are free to enact whatever sanctions against users as they wish, as long as they are in compliance with whatever they laid out in their terms of service. And and it, it seemed it's kind of, it's kind of like getting uh, being on the freeway and speeding. Yeah, the cop can't catch everybody that's speeding, but you can catch somebody. So they caught except they cops. weren't in violation of the terms of service. Well, and in fact, the, the Twitter files have revealed that the internal conversation between the participants, the executives at Twitter, proves that they even knew that the New York Post was not in violation and that they were having to fabricate a justification for doing so. The one Twitter executive who was pushing back against this was a former Chinese citizen. And he said, you know, when the government starts to make requests like this and you start to affect elections in this way, we might be doing the wrong thing. So I'm with you. I love private companies and I don't think anyone should be forced to bake a cake they don't want to bake. I'm totally there with you. However, when they act not only in a political manner, but violate their own terms of service. If the terms of service are a contract with the user, then the vendor violating them should be just as heinous and arbitrary and capricious as the user violating them. Sure. So those journalists who were who were kicked off of Twitter would have a leg to stand on then if they wanted to file a lawsuit or some, or, or, or get they some did and they won. Yeah. Okay. 
but I think that the bigger uh, the, the bigger story is that that's a slow process, and and in something like social media, time is very much of the essence. And if you and, get silenced for a few months, that could be all that you really needed to do. And what month were they silenced in? Oh, it was right when it comes to the election. election. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So when Joey said. Was the election rigged? I don't know. I don't. That's not the subject of this. I know. Yes, I know. Joey. But yeah. To, the, for, for the sake of was, argument, every election is rigged. Every election is <laughs> has been I manipulated. I agree. <laughs> One hundred. I agree. One hundred percent. But was the FBI specifically trying to politically influence the outcome of this election? Yes, and that's very clear. And if you go and look back at, say, Watergate which was, you know, a couple of botched burglaries to gain some information about some minor players and how that tore down the presidency and how the FBI was on both sides of Watergate, by the way, um, both G. Gordon Liddy and uh, um, Mark, uh, whatever the heck his name was, um, you deep know, throat. yeah, Deep Throat, Felt, Mark Felt. Um, to me, the fact that this is largely being ignored in the, in the political and law enforcement process is kind of a travesty, and we're just letting it slide. And in fact, it's become policy to do these sorts of things at the FBI. I would imagine so. And I would I would say that even in the bigger picture, probably not even just the FBI, but probably governments and uh, law enforcement all over the world for lots of other countries including countries that have competing interests with the interests of the United States. Yep. I, um, I have trouble with this now in full disclosure, <laughs> in full disclosure, the FBI paid me a lot of money to work inside the J Edgar Hoover building and be the ISSM for their counter terror Intel sharing network. So, you know, I, I, I've been in the belly of the beasts and, and I've seen how they operate. Um, but this so you have a conflict of interest. You should you should just go ahead and 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 and, and recuse shut. myself from the conversation. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I I uh, I still have issue as an American citizen with our government's intelligence agencies trying to influence the outcome of elections. That should not be their purview, especially yeah, yeah, when I the agree. information's true. Well, truth. I think uh, what we've realized is truth is not always true <laughs> it can be fluid <laughs> that's a very postmodern take on things <laughs> and, no, and, but... and that the fbi is not a monolith and it, and it, it doesn't always act in its own self-interest when certain people are, are trying to get things done i'm sorry rafti i'm I'll, I'll let you speak i'm i'm taking over here no 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 I, I just wanted to add to this what you were saying i mean uh, in the end knowing what is true it, it also is a factor of time and hindsight is 2020 so looking back you can judge more clearly and with a better view what has been true or not but making a split decision of course what you're portraying here is that there has been some premeditation that they knew in advance um what was coming and stuff and we're ac actually preparing and stuff uh, i don't know I, for me what i like is that now with twitter burning or like many people are like saying it is burning and many people moving away from it um maybe the way how now other stuff is like structured for instance mastodon for instance um like discord or something you have a more direct um interaction and of course governments don't like that most of those chats are i mean discord isn't and mastodon isn't either but are end-to-end -end encrypted but 
um, many other governments already like have have taken actions accordingly and were like, okay, now we don't want those connections encrypted and private. But in the end, what I think is um, it's it's hearing something from somebody else um, makes allows you to judge it better what the source is. Uh, getting a link from somebody, then going into it and not just um, hearing like stuff that it has been, um, as you were saying, either um, tilted into one or the other direction. And so the conversation is like, seems to go into one direction just because it has been artificially altered into that way, I think is, is um, leaves a better judgment to the individual, which I hope. And then all a whole other thing of different problems, um, like educating people, allowing people to educate themselves and stuff. But I think like, this is the better, this is better for society, having people um, judging themselves and educating themselves. All voices, all data being heard. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and I've heard that the issue with Mastodon, particularly among those progressive circles, is that they're quickly eating their own as soon as they establish their purity tests. Um, there have been some pretty famous, uh, rabid left-wing progressive types who, as soon as they got over to Mastodon, were accused of not being progressive enough and even though they were held up as bastions on Twitter are now being pariahs on Mastodon. And pretty soon those are all devolving into communities of one where I'm the only pure progressive, the rest of you are evil. Uh, so I don't think they're big fans of free speech. I don't think they're big fans of sharing ideas and letting everyone decide for themselves. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so the other thing that it, to, to just slide slightly away from the files for a second. Um, Musk was castigated largely in recent days for taking certain steps that kind of called into question his commitment to free speech. Um, he silenced an account called, I think it was called, uh, Rafti, you're familiar with this, Musk Chat? Was that the name of the account? I don't know, but it, it yeah. Yeah, it, it, somewhere yeah. I'm familiar with this. Yeah, it's been it followed been his private jet wherever it went. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and published the updates on Twitter. Yep. Uh, Musk silenced that account and several journalists who linked to that account in some of the reporting on Twitter. And when asked why he did that, he explained that this is a safety issue and that anyone updating in real time the location of an individual would be suspended from Twitter. Um, as a free speech enthusiast, I find that kind of ridiculous. Uh, I think we should be reporting in real time on all sorts of individuals' locations, <laughs> like the police. I think we should know where the police are at all times. I think we should be allowed to track them in real time. That's okay. And I think we know where one police is right now. <laughs> Joey, please. <laughs> right there this guy. Where's your brother, Joey? What's he up to? Is he right. filming this weekend? Um. All right. But, but uh, well, and 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 to the, to your point, Ben. Uh, uh, the information that was feeding that Twitter feed uh, about the location of Elon Musk's jet. 
That is all still publicly available no, information. No, he actually opted into the FAA's program for private jet oh. owners to not have it be publicly available. So that account oh. was okay. harvesting that information counter to FAA regulations. Uh, okay. And they're not exactly sure yet how he was doing that, but probably just by uh, following local flight plans and tail numbers. Um, yeah. okay. um, and he added to the explanation that outside the airport where his youngest son had arrived, uh, somebody approached the car that his youngest son and employees were traveling in, jumped on the hood of the car, and started yelling at them. And this person was dressed in all black block, the Antifa uh, get up with the mask and the, the ninja suit. Um, and Wait, did you just say that Antifa is a real thing? Is, are, are you making the argument now on, on slyly saying Antifa is, is real? As opposed to what? Being completely made up. By whom? Uh, who, whoever. I, I, I just want to make sure that that I, I'm not. I'm not going to argue with you over over Antifa, but but it's just fascinating. They have plenty of Twitter accounts and footage of themselves doing action. Mm, I, I don't okay. know how it would be made okay. up. What do okay. you say? People okay. don't exist. No, people exist, of course. Antifa does not, though. <laughs> Welcome to my world, Ben. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry. all the people who say they are. Aren't. just don't exist they do not no really. no but it, it i i understand where where matt is going i don't know if we want to go what down that rabbit hole to, as well. I, i'm sorry matt i'm not understanding what you're saying ne ne never mind never mind you you, you just characterize the person as an antifa uh, soldier of some sort and, and no i, I said I the outfit is the preferred oh yeah yeah right. i said the outfit so, is the preferred get up of the black block antifa action yes. group yeah right. okay okay all right cool okay I, I don't know whether he was or not. I, he, I, they don't carry cards. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, was, I, I just want some clarification on that because because I think that that was was a judgy way to describe someone. But okay. When you okay, it's about <laughs> as judgy as saying red hat MAGA <laughs> or domestic terrorist. If right. Right. You okay. particularly join in a certain political faction. Okay. You know, I, I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm I'm totally derailing where you were going with this. Let's get I, back okay. I, anyway, the point was Elon was claiming that this had been a direct threat to his family, that the person who located them probably did so, and Elon has this information because that person was using Twitter and and was a member of many Antifa accounts. Again, without saying that he is a member himself. Um, but uh, Musk made the point that revealing the location of his family at any given time is a physical threat to them, to which I say, welcome to free speech. Free speech is risky. Uh, free speech is dangerous. And if you're going to have that commitment, that's a that's a tough thing to accept that it's it's like it's like you have to say to the anti-gun lobby, having guns. Yes, it's dangerous and it's risky. But not having guns is more risky. Not having free speech is more risky. And, and I think Musk is going to start to see these difficulties in his commitment going forward. It's not as easy as it appears. Matt and I were both members of a forum for many years, uh, which was largely based on satire and mocking authority. Yep. And um, I was running that forum, and I did have a pretty staunch commitment to free speech. 
And it seemed as if the users at every turn were goading me into censoring them uh, <laughs> by attempting every measure of pushing that button of where the extremis is. Uh, Matt, do you remember any of those situations at all? And uh, not in particular. No, I, of course I remember the forum and 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 the interactions that we had with people. But no, are you thinking of something specific that that occurred? Well, I'll just use one example. You know, a lot of people wanted to submit material. It's a humor publication, and they were submitting material that was questionably humorous at best. Things like oh, okay, um, yeah, uh, uh, pictures of naked women that the that the contributor had not taken of themselves was not their ownership. It was somebody else's copyrighted photographs with a meme caption attached to it. Mm. That, and I had to explain to everyone, look, you know, tits in and of themselves are not inherently funny. That's not humor. That's not comedy. Um, what I'm, why I'm removing your material from the website is not censorship. I'm doing it as editorial. You did not make the bar of making me laugh. <laughs> I said, I said, tits on your grandmother are inherently funny. If you want to send those in, that that would be acceptable. And that's just one example of where, you know, you can make a rule, but at some point it comes down to professional judgment, and it's hard to establish those things. Um, it's almost like you're arguing that the people who use Twitter are not actually journalists upholding themselves to some sort of code of ethics or professional standards. And instead they're just regular people who are just. No, I'd make that the... argument about journalists. And, okay. and here's the problem I have with saying, and you just did the thing where you're attributing a class to individuals. <laughs> this is America. We do not have a license for journalists. We do not have a bar for journalists. We do not have a certification for journalists. You are a journalist by being on this podcast. We are all journalists here. Even Rafti, who's not allowed to say certain things because he's Australian. Um, Austin, not oh, Australian. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I'm not allowed to say everything. So we have speech law. And I, I would, I, I, to have like, and in Austria, of course, I would have to have a pass, like a journal pass. You have so, to have yeah. a license to be a journalist yeah, in Austria. Exactly. There is no testing, nothing, but you have to register as a journalist. Can the government revoke your license? I don't actually know. Because they that's why we can. had a revolutionary war. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> the, we the specifically old... kicked the British out because of that. Because we weren't allowed world. to say what we wanted to say if it was anti-British. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, anyway, Elon was, is running into these bumps. It's hard and he's getting flack from all sides. Nobody's really happy with his performance right now, except for me. I'm I'm kind of like watching it. <laughs> but um, are you watching it because it's like watching a, a car wreck in real time, or are you watching it because you actually have a stake in whether it succe succeeds or not? Both, uh, and a third reason. I like watching conceivably the smartest, most successful man of our time having to come to grips with the difficulty of what freedoms ramifications actually are mm. and and it's a balancing act and it's always going to be a balancing act uh now fortunately he took over an operation that was balancing way too far in one direction and is bringing it to the other side and i like and admire that on the other hand if he overcorrects, that could be just as dangerous too mm. um maybe to that point i i listened to a podcast um from 
uh, called Decoder from, with Nila Patel, and he was interviewing the CEO of Automatic. Uh, he is has been the CEO of WordPress and um, Pocket Cast and Tumblr, of all things, for a couple of years now. Like Tumblr, I think uh, Automatic bought them from Verizon, I think, two or three years ago. I don't know. Maybe it has been longer. Um, but it was very interesting. And, and what he was saying about owning um, a social media company, which of course now gets a lot of more like people in and had a very like, um, like there were a lot of tits on Tumblr as well. And, <laughs> Verizon and they had the purge. Like they did their own purge. They did their own purge and stuff. And what he was saying is that for him, this was a very humbling experience, like having run WordPress for, for a very long uh, time now. And, and they had issues as well with people like, hosting stuff on their servers and they were not sure what to do about it and stuff like that. And he's like, what he, what he thinks is that Elon will come full circle. So this is part sort of a TLDR of the podcast, but um, you can of course go and listen to it as well. Um, but that Elon Send will. Send me the link to that episode so we can put it in the show notes. Sure. Sure. I will. Sure. Uh, and, but basically that he will come uh, full circle and understand that free speech on a social media platform like this like total free speech is not very doable, uh, so to speak. You're a private company, you have to pay people, therefore you have to get money in. And to get money in, people have to like what you're selling. And if you if you are a restaurant and everything goes in your food, whatever, like the, the anybody who can walk into the kitchen just thinks can go into your like dishes, there will, it's not quality food. Nobody will go there and eat it. And so no money will come uh, and, and stuff like that. And I like this argument. I like this chain of arguments. And um, uh, so, yeah, it has been, has been very interesting. Just and out I, of curiosity, kind of, yeah. did he mention why they did the porn purge in specific? I can understand maybe getting rid of, you know, illegal activity like copyrighted material. I can understand that. But why did he, did he mention why the porn purge? I'm Actually. not 100% sure, but I think it was Apple. Um, and, and they oh, went into this in the episode okay. as well okay. that, and, and I don't know, we weren't, haven't been into that, but Elon, of course, had the walk with Tim Cook uh, on the Apple campus and the, the way how they described it is like, it's, it's like Apple is one of the, the big, um, speech reg regulators in tech and that almost nobody is talking about just because they can like Twitter it's dead when Apple push like removes all Twitter apps from the app store. Most people don't use the web for Twitter. And that's so very, they will yeah. Lose. And that happened um, soon, uh, just before the Twitter files were released, there was some claim that Apple was considering pulling Twitter from the app store. And Elon went and visited Tim Cook. And that's what you were talking about is the video where they had the conversation. And then Elon tweeted after that meeting, he said, uh, no, that uh, Tim reassured me that they never considered that, that that's not an issue. And um, he's, he felt reassured that he was okay for a little while to give it a try. Um, <laughs> now I will say this. One of the things I really admire about Elon is he found out that another faction within Twitter was protecting accounts that were largely sharing child pornography and material related to child pornography and how to access child pornography. And he waged a scorched earth campaign to remove as many of those accounts as possible. 
and did get some pushback, oddly, from certain groups of users, including certain Antifa groups there, uh, Matt. Um, uh, so that's been an interesting development, too. I, I don't know why Twitter would say, we don't want Nazis, but kitty porn is okay. Um, yeah. Uh, but what you said, Rafti, I think uh, kind of puts a, a, a cap on the conversation and reminds me of a quote from A.J. Liebling, who was one of the professional journalism class in America. He said, freedom of the press belongs to the man who owns one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I true. think that's fairly like that. Yep, yep. Uh, gentlemen, anything else as a capstone you'd like to offer? Delete your Twitter accounts. Just get off social media altogether, and then none of this becomes a problem. <laughs> none of this will matter if everybody just leaves Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> Let social Maybe. media die and get strangled in the crib. <laughs> I'm not sure if this will help anything, but many people have been recommending deleting your phone number off Twitter. Of course, like if they have it in a database, they they like <laughs> might keep it anyway. Um, but before you delete your account, maybe explicitly remove the the um, phone number there as well. And I'm not 100% with Matt. Of course, you lose your handle then as well if you delete, and maybe someone else will take it over. I would not do this as a blanket thing, um, but um, I have been hosting my own Mastodon node for the longest time now, so it's not that hard. You want to uh, put a link to that in the show notes too? Do you want no. a bunch of strangers joining <laughs> your Mastodon? It's 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 a single server. It's only I. Uh, it's uh, I, it's very overpowered for me alone, but it's only me on there. And uh, the reason for it is that I want to not have a moderated Mastodon experience. I don't want wait, wait to have second. anybody else. If it's only you on there, who are you talking to? <laughs> no, it's in the Fetty. It's in the Fetty Wars. So of course everybody can see what I'm tooting. Oh, okay. And okay. I can uh, connect with other servers. Um, I thought it was just online masturbation. That was like, I'm, I'm, I'm writing these posts, but no one's going to see them. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, okay. That's not how the Fediverse works. But okay. in that regard, what is interesting then is um, other Mastodon, like the admins of your server you're joining, they have power over like shadow banning stuff, banning a whole different servers and stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I want to, like, I don't have to follow every server out there. There is stuff that I don't want to see, but I don't want want anybody else judging what I'm allowed to see, what I'm allowed to connect. So if you're like this as well, and I guess the audience of this podcast has the technical capabilities of running their own servers, um, securing it, and um, then, like, follow whoever they want. <laughs> I, I think this is a very good way of doing it. And it's it strengthens the Fediverse as well, so... Can anybody stand up their own server? Is, yeah, is yeah. it hard to do? Okay. No, no. Uh, if you know how to, to like how to get an Let's Encrypt certificate, um, I think this is basically the only thing that you know have to know in advance. If you know Docker, your way around Docker, it's easier. Uh, I think. So you set up a virtual server on like AWS yeah. or Azure or something like that. Okay. Something way cheaper. Heads okay. 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 <laughs> Heads not unlimited traffic. Um, they have two data centers in the US now as well and three in Europe. Um, so that would be my recommendation. They're also very open. You can run a Tor node on, on Hetzner. So if you'd like to very strengthen cool. the Tor network, there you go. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah. Joey? Nothing. No. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, 
Joe's I've a opened up, in fact, during this conversation, I've opened up Twitter to make sure that uh, you know, I've got multi-factor authentication turned on. Even in the last, <laughs> the last thing I looked at, I'm like, do I even need this account? So I think. Yes, uh, follow me. Follow I me. I do follow you. I don't know if I do okay, good. good. You're I can tell. Yeah. Matt, uh, ben has still uh, an app like uh, uh, thing going, don't you? Like with a hundred bucks for somebody who has the highest engagement stuff. Oh yeah, that's yeah. still a thing. Nobody, it, nobody ever was... responded to that. Yeah, but it was till the end of the year. I, they've got you know a week left. Yeah, that's fine. Eh? You know. Uh... Yeah. Well, by the time this episode drops, you'll have about a day left. Go create an ad campaign, put it on Twitter, and if it gets uh, uh, more likes than anybody else, then Ben pays you five hundred dollars. Five hundred? Wait. <laughs> yeah, it's five hundred bucks. Oh, it was five hundred. Oh, okay. Five hundred bucks. Yeah, I think I'm gonna win because <laughs> my material so far has the most impressions anywhere on the internet. I, I think it's a little late to start, but if there's some good marketing out there, I'm all for it. And we hope to have a pretty big announcement for Wannabea early next year. Something's oh, interesting. It's not an NFT. I'm just going to get out ahead of that. <laughs> well, I was going to say Elon Musk is going to come on our board. <laughs> you know, I'd give up the show for Elon. I, I'd, I'd let him take it over. And, and I'm not sure I want Rofty being my, my Mastodon administrator. I, I might have to stand up my own server. He, if he could shadow ban me, I wouldn't get to say half the stuff I want to say. Yeah, Rofty's definitely out to get you. I'm gonna, and I'm going to leave out a joke of Austrians deciding what people are allowed to say. I'm, I'm not going to mm. do that. That's... <clears throat> All right. Hey, us, um, please. Until next time, uh, I'm Ben Maliso. I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Rafael Peter. And I'm Joey Police. Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized interested in training for CISSP CCSP CISM SSCP CCSK boy that's a lot of letters or other InfoSec certifications go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com that's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A cissp.com we are on discord engage with us by searching for the channel wanna be a cissp feedback or questions on what we discuss send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com you may hear a shout out or your feedback on a future show we're all working professionals in the infosec industry so feel free to link up with us on linkedin Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster. Downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com. And listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. 
All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific infosex situation you may experience. If you enjoy this podcast, take a listen to The Topic of Choice with host Joey Police, his sidekick Matt, that's me, and lots of interesting guests. Now in its third season, Joey leads open conversations, reviews, and interviews about all kinds of interesting and exciting topics, often with a pop culture take. It's a fun show released weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Long pause, long pause, long pause. You can't hear that? No, we can't. Yeah. Apparently, it did not work. Well, <laughs> well, are we gonna fix this now in post, or are we gonna start it? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's fix it. Can you can you cut this out, Matt? Yeah, yeah, I can cut this out. Yes. All right, I'll <laughs> send you. I'll send you a link to the sound file I wanted here, but um, 